0: We're in chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, and I want you to turn there if you would please and look at that in just a few moments. Just a reminder, the book of 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Thessalonica. The first letter is five chapters divided for us in our English Bible, and it is uh, concluding each chapter with a reference to the rapture of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe that uh, the Bible teaches that right now, we're in the church age. Right now, you can call upon the Lord, and, you, and and the church is alive and well today. It's not what we ought to be, but we thank God that it, it is working. That's why we have missions, and, and we talk about that, because God is still saving people today and using the instrument and the tool of the local church. God uses His Word, His Spirit, and His body to get people the gospel of Christ. But the Bible teaches that Jesus is coming again. The first time he comes, he'll come for his saints. And those uh, who have accepted Jesus Christ in this lifetime and those who are dead in Christ will meet the Lord in the air and then will ever be with the Lord. He's coming with his saints. That will usher seven years of tribulation period of time. If you uh, look in uh, the book of the Revelation, chapters 1 is things that were, speaking of Jesus. Chapters 2 and 3, things that are, that's the church age. Chapters 4 through 19, talk about the tribulation period. And then, of course, 19, 20, 21, 22, talk about future events beyond the tribulation period, the millennium, the great, ju- the great white throne judgment, so forth and so on. But the first time the Lord comes, He'll come for His saints. Seven years of tribulation, three and a half years of somewhat that the, the the Antichrist is restrained, and uh, he is he that leadeth. He'll he'll finally give that up. The three and a half years in the middle of that, the Antichrist who has brokered a deal with specially. And by the way, the church is where after Jesus comes with the saints in heaven. The judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of Lamb. The church is no longer here. If you show up on Sunday after the rapture, uh, uh, there will there'll not be a Christian in church. Now, some people believe that many will come to know Christ right after the, the rapture, and, and the Lord is saving people. I don't know exactly all that. can't understand everything about that. I do believe that the focal point of the tribulation is going to be the nation of Israel. It is, it is the time of Jacob's trouble. It is Daniel's seventieth week. The Bible calls it, and uh, you can read Daniel chapter nine, verse twenty-four, and those things that will describe that. That takes place at the coming when he comes for his saints. Uh, then there's seven years of tribulation. The first pretty, first three and a half years kind of calm, and then the Antichrist unleashes his uh, abomination of desolation in the temple. He will also turn his wrath upon uh, upon uh, God's people, and uh, that will culminate with the battle of Armageddon when the Lord Jesus comes again. This is the real second coming of the Lord because he will come to the earth not for his saints but with his saints. And uh, then there will be a battle. Satan will be defeated. He'll be put into a bottomless pit for a thousand years, a thousand years reign with the Lord, and then allowed to come back out. Sometimes you wonder, why would the Lord let him come back out? Because there will be people that will have the chance to receive the Lord Jesus or reject God in that time. And everybody throughout all history has had, uh, had three things to deal with. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And so he will have the opportunity to see the nations once again. There will be a judgment of nations. God will deal with them. And then we'll ever be with the Lord, the great white throne judgment. I do believe that when Christ comes back for or with his, for his saints, there is a judgment seat of Christ. That's the judgment for those of us who have been saved. We don't judge for sin. We get judged for service and works and love and our motives. Then over here after the millennium, then those who are dead without Christ they will be resurrected from the grave. And then also those who will live through the, the millennium period with, who reject the Lord, they will be judged in the great white throne judgment. That is a judgment for sin. That is sin on the criteria. The books are open and sin will be judged and, and people will be meted out. Those are the sea the, the will give up the dead which are in them. And then, of course, we find also that, that you read in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, and death and hell. Hell, those who have been stored in hell for all these years waiting for judgment will be brought toward the Lord. If their name is not in the book of life, they'll be cast into the lake of fire. So hell and the lake of fire are two different places, or uh, two different d- degrees of punishment. Hell seems to be a place of torment, but it's a holding place. Uh, after the, after the thousand-year reign, there'll be the great white throne judgment. Then people are, are rewarded according to their sins. And there are opportunities to re- believe and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And I- I'll trust that God knows how to do all those things. Well, the, the Bible tells us in First Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, that Paul is telling this new group of people that have gotten saved He finds himself in Athens, and they've got lots of questions. They have questions about morality. They have questions about those people who have died. And he answered that in the book of 1 Thessalonians, reminding them that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that is a blessed hope. It's something you need to look forward to. And today, it's no surprise that the rapture of the church is being challenged continually. Because the rapture of the church, that doctrine, promotes four things I know for sure. Number one... uh, It gives us patience to keep on going. It gives us perseverance to continue on uh, because of the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God and Savior. Number two, it causes us to live a more pure life. We'll be pure even as He is pure. Number three, we'll live soberly with an understanding that there's a reason. We have a sense of destiny. We have a sense of purpose in this world to walk soberly, righteously, and godly in this wicked world we live in. When you know that the Lord Jesus could come at any moment, you don't want to keep your hand in the cookie jar. (laughs) You want to live and you want to be doing, you want to be active, ready for the Lord, and then it will be zealous of good works. He challenges them that. In between that first letter he writes, there is a forged letter that is sent to these new believers. And it sounded like it was from the Apostle Paul. And it told them that the resurrection had already come. There are two names mentioned in the book of uh, Timothy and Philetus Philetus and uh, Hymenus, I believe, are the two names. I don't think I I butchered their names. But there's two guys that had been teaching that the resurrection had already come. Paul had told Timothy, stay away from those clowns. Don't let that, because doctrine determines, yeah, and conduct and things. He said, these two guys have been teaching the resurrection already come, that the rapture has already taken place. And these new believers believe that. And so they thought they were in the tribulation period during this time because of the false teaching and because of the letter that seemed to be from the Apostle Paul. And so as a result of that, Paul writes back to them, and he challenges them. He praises them for their work. He promises that God would recompense those who are, who are treating them wrong, that God would reward them for their faithfulness to the Lord, and they can rest with the lord knowing that he's coming again and whatever they're going through god will help them through it and they're not in the rapture chapter two speaks very much about the tribulation period and He talks about the man of sin and he said the first thing that's going to happen before the lord comes back there's going to be a mass apostasy a lot of people are going to divert themselves and take the high road off the high road of holiness into they're going to they're depart from the faith they're not going to lose their salvation you don't lose your salvation when you start living like an idiot, okay? If you're saved, you're saved. But you fall from the faith. This is people that are saved that have gone away from the faith. They haven't lost their salvation, but they have quit practicing faithfulness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And and you don't have to think very hard to find people who have done that. What you want to do is don't be judgmental of them as much as decide, I'm not being one of those people. (laughs) I'm going to be faithful, all of us, all the way. Everybody doing what God wants them to do. But he said, during that tribulation period of time, God's going to deal with this world in a very unique way. And he speaks a lot about that in chapter number two. But he says, look, you guys can rest. You guys can be comforted. Boy, what he described there doesn't sound very comforting. He said, look, you have no need. Chapter 5, verse number 1 in in 1 Thessalonians, he said, look, of the times and seasons regarding the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, you have no need that I write this unto you. Why don't they need to hear about all these signs and things leading up to the second coming of Christ? They're not going to be there. (laughs) They're with the Lord in heaven. They don't have to worry about that. Right now, we don't have to look for any signs. We need to listen for a shout. We need to anticipate and live holy and await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. All the things happen in the tribulation period, God gives us what we need to know about that, but that is only for informational purposes. I will not be there when it happens. Uh, because I'm going to be with the Lord, I'll be ever with the Lord, and I'm, I'm a part of His church. And the church is not in that tribulation period, in my opinion. I believe there's much Bible to back that up. But chapter 3 is going to put a bow on this particular letter. Let's look at it quickly, if we can, please. Beginning in verse number 1, chapter three, Second Thessalonians. Finally, Brethren, pray for us. Isn't that interesting? He put finally almost in the middle of the book there, and there's still got a lot more to say. So next time the pastor says, and in closing. <laughs> uh, finally, brethren, what does he tell them to do? Ask them for them to do. Pray for us. What can we pray for us? Pray that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from who? Unreasonable and? For all men have not the boy said he said, pray for two things. Pray that the word of God would go out and have free course, that it would be, it would be able to be unleashed upon people's heart. By the way, how does the word of God go out? Faith cometh by yeah, getting the word of God, speaking to people about the Bible. That's why the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Talk about the scriptures. Talk about it. Get the gospel out. Don't be afraid, and fear is a factor, but it shouldn't be a factor in getting people to hear what the Bible says. He said, pray that the word of God will have free course. One of the things I listened to, Brother Martin, in recent days we've had the joy to be with him, and and one of the things that really enticed him to go to the Philippines when he heard Brother uh, Bob Hughes across the street say in 1976, the people of the Philippines are poor, but they're receptive to the gospel. They will hear the gospel, you can go talk to people. I talked to Brother Ted Spear this, this afternoon with Brother Mark Bushy as we were planning a little bit of the missions conference and Brother Ted Spear said uh, before to me, he goes, I love going winning in Ghana because people will easily talk to you. He says, it's kinda hard to come back to the States, it's a little more challenging, no excuse for us. But at the same time, he says in Ghana, people will talk to you about the Bible, They're, they want to know, wanna know the truth of that situation. And boy, I tell you what, friends, I hope if God's working your heart about surrendering to serve the Lord, you'll not push that off. You'll take advantage of those opportunities. But when you pray for missionaries, pray that the Word of God will take free course. Number two, that they'll be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, because some men just do not have uh, the faith. They don't have it, and, and they're, they're not interested in it, or adversarial toward it. So the first thing we see in this chapter is intercession. I want to ask you, church family, when it's time to pray... Pray, and then pray throughout the week. Get your knees. I'm, I'm praying for this, the island of St. Lucia. I got my little heart last year, and I'm praying for St. Lucia Island. I, I didn't even know where it was for a long time, and I found out where it is, and I know that uh, Brother brother Jordan and his wife are there, Webb, and they're, they're in the St. Lucia. But pray for people. Pray that the Word of God would go forth. I think prayer, we underestimate. We think, oh, boy, if we work eight hours, we're really doing something might be more done in eight minutes of prayer. He said, pray for us. Pray that the word of God, when's the last time you prayed that the word of God would have frequency? That when the missionary preached, people would be receptive. When someone gave the gospel, there would be someone saying, I need that. Just the other day was listening to someone give a testimony that just blessed my heart so much because the man, uh, one of our, t- our college students, the guy was shoveling the snow. And the one of the college students went and said, you know, let me help you. And so they started shoveling snow together. And he said, you know, sir, do you know for sure when you die the day you go to heaven? He stood, his, he stood his shovel up and said, I can't believe you asked me that. That's been on my mind for the last week. I've been thinking every night, where am I going to spend eternity? He said, could I show you how? And the man got saved. Holding his, holding his uh, snow shovel. You know what? That guy is an answer to somebody's prayer. <laughs> He's probably praying himself and other people are praying for him and saying, let the word of God have free course. Number two, pray that God would rebuke unreasonable and wicked men and women who want to stop the gospel. How many ever noticed someone who wants to stop the gospel? I'll never forget that guy Adolph. I told you about him. I was witnessing the two men. This guy Adolph, what a good name for him. (laughs) Uh, He came up to me and he just started... Started saying, that book's a bunch of fairy tales. You know, I, I've heard what you say. I've read that Bible all the way through. It's just a bunch of fairy tales. And just started interrupting. I said, I said, Mr. Adolph, I'm talking to these guys. He goes, yeah, but I'm telling you what, that stuff is just, you don't even have it. You shouldn't even waste your time with this guy. And I just had to turn my attention. I said, Mr. Adolph, let me tell you what the Bible says. And I started quoting some verses to him, pointing some things. He said, put that book away. It's a bunch of fairy tales. It's getting on my nerves. It's bothering me. I said, you know what? Well, you wouldn't bother me with Mother Goose. I wouldn't get upset about that you know why it bothers you? Because it's not Mother Goose. It's a piercing to you. It, it, you know it's true. You know there's something about that. That's why you're so adversarial. Come over here and just interrupt him when I'm trying to talk to these people. Yeah, you blankety blanket took off, and I was grateful. <laughs> uh, and I got to talk to those two men. The truth of the matter is, anytime you're trying to get someone the gospel, there are unreasonable and wicked adversaries to that. What does the Bible tell us to do about that? Pray. Pray. When you go soul you pray. When we get a chance to pray for our missionaries, pray for them. Pray that God would, would, would deliver us. That's a great prayer request. Lord, take the gospel we're going to preach today and give it free course. And deliver us from distractions and evil and some folks just unreasonable. They don't even know why they're, they're obstinate to it. And, and deliver us from that so that the word of God can go forth. Let's look at the next thing real quick. We'll have to conclude and pick up next week. Verse number three. But the Lord is faithful. Who shall establish you and keep you from what? Evil. I want you to notice verse 3. Verse verse 2 talks about, 1 and 2 talk about intercession. Verse 3 talks about preservation. He said, God is is the one who wants to establish you and keep you from evil. Aren't you glad for the preservation of God? Aren't you glad that he's taking care of us and he loves us? And the safest place you can be is right smack in the will of God for your life. He says, God's idea, he's faithful. He's going to establish you, and he's going to keep you from evil. That was the prayer of the Apostle Paul and his assurance to them. So we have intercession. We have protection. Let's look at verse 4 and 5, can we? And uh, we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. Now verse 5, read it with me, would you please, everybody? Everybody. What do you think he's talking about, the patient waiting? What's that talking about? The rapture of the Lord. And I think here we find anticipation. Intercession, preservation, and anticipation. Here's what God, is, here's what God wants us to anticipate if you would look at it. First of all, that you and I would be obedient. We know, one of the best things I, I heard, um, a brother, and some of you heard Brother Rick Martin on the radio today as we interviewed him. And I said, now tell me some of the burdens you had Uh, in 45 years of ministering there in the Philippines and the heartaches. And he said, well, I remember one time when Becky had a tubal pregnancy and she began to hemorrhage. And I waited too long to get her to the doctor. And the doctor, when I talked, he said, I'm sorry, Mr. Martin, Becky's not, she's not going to make it. Your wife's going to die. I said, she needs blood. I don't have enough blood here. He said, I got in a cab and I went to a, a blood bank and I got the blood myself and I got it back and I brought it to the doctor. I said, please do all you can do, give it to her. He said, it was so scary, but I had a great appreciation for my wife. He said, but that's not the big thing. Oh, I remember when they throw rocks at us and try to get us to stop preaching the gospel, and they threw they threw bread soaked in poison to our dog and killed our dog. And, there are some other things that happened but, and a fire took place. One day I was preaching and people were screaming and hollering and I'm saying, sit down everybody, sit down everybody and they're like, they're all running. I'm saying, sit down everybody and then I found out my house was on fire <laughs> and, uh, and everything else, my whole compound's on fire. He said, yeah, that was a pretty rough time. He said, but nothing hurts us as bad as when people who walk with God no longer walk with God. When people that we've trained and loved." are no longer sitting in their pews and no longer vibrant. People who were once bringing people to Christ on buses and Sunday schools, and now they've gone away from the Lord. He so nothing quite hurts me quite as bad as that. You know what the Apostle Paul says? You know what I'm anticipating? That you will be obedient until the end. And that you will anticipate the coming of Christ and wait for his son from heaven. And be faithful when he gets here, we're good. All of us, all the way, being faithful to the end. Three concepts: intercession, praying that God would give free course, and that um, that He would deliver us from people who are adversaries to the gospel. Number two, that we would be that uh, that we would be preserved and established by the Lord, and that lastly, that we'd anticipate whenever whenever we have a chance to obey the Lord, we'll be obedient to Him and we'll wait for His Son from heaven.